Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark. With me is my co-host, Kara O'Regan. Hello. Hi. Uh, and we are continuing camp months. Do nope. we... Do, <laughs> do you think... Call it that every time. It's not camp month. It's just camp summer. Do I think what? Uh-oh. Uh... I forget. Oh, I was going to say something about the fact that, like, all of the movies that we've done so far have been from 1979 to 1983. Yeah, I know. I almost brought that up because it's definitely not from our youth. Mm -hmm. Nor did I see any of these when I was a child. Like, Oh, I definitely saw, well, I saw Little Darlings, or Little, is that what that was called? Yeah, that was what it was called. Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely saw Friday the 13th when I was a teenager, but not oh, the other I two. never... Okay, so we did. We watched Friday the 13th. We're back oh, to yeah. horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, I never saw it before, I don't think. I mean, I think I knew everything that was going to happen, mm-hmm. but I never saw it happen before. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we just had to follow our hearts into this theme, so it's we strayed from our format a little bit. Yeah, but. well, you know, I mean, summertime is a time for us to uh, experiment with the format a little bit. Last year, we did Boatcast, and we did a few movies that we had not seen before. That's true. It brought us Waterworld, which I definitely should have seen before last summer, <laughs> but never did. And aren't you glad you did? Yeah, I'm so glad. Your life is so much better for it. Um, so we this is Friday the thirteenth, the original, which is from nineteen eighty, is that yes, right? That is correct. Um and I don't remember anything that happened in this movie, even though I just watched it. And I'm looking at my notes about it. Well uh a bunch of teen teenagers are they teenagers or just yeah, I mean, Young, maybe 20 like early 20s. Maybe. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, they show up to a summer camp in rural New Jersey, uh, which uh, the camp that they shot this at is is a real camp called Camp Nobi Bosco. It's a Boy Scout camp that my brother went to. Um, oh my God, your brother went there? Yeah, out in like Blairstown, somewhere in western New Jersey. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they show up to this camp... But there's been some incidents at this camp before, and they're trying to reopen it, and then they all get murdered, and uh, then you find out the killer was like, is not who you expect it to be. Well, it was like 30 years prior or something, right? There was... 58. Be- yeah. Or, yeah, yeah it was 20 years. No, it would be like 20... 22 years. 20, yeah. 20-something 20 um, years. Yeah, those kids from the 50s definitely looked like they were from the 80s. They yeah. didn't try very hard. I was not paying attention to the um, the thing that said that it was the 50s, and I just thought it was like a couple years beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah, so two kids got murdered. Mm-hmm. So we see that. For, that that's the very forward. first thing we see, yeah. They go to a barn to have sex, which made me want to add, 
barn sex. Barn sex. Oh, barn sex, definitely. Right? Because that happens in Little Darlings and it happens in Sleepaway Camp. And and I don't think it happens in Sleepaway Camp, but it's going to happen in Wet Hot American Summer. Right. I assume maybe we'll add that when we go through camp tropes later. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wish that I hadn't known. Like, I knew. I knew the twist of this movie, and I also knew, like, this movie is not good until the last, like, 20 minutes, and truly, like, the last, like, one minute of the movie is the best part. <laughs> like, you have yeah. to watch, like, two hours of nothing. Well, there's some cool deaths. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, the, the deaths in this are great. They got Tom Savini, legendary Tom Savini, to uh, do the practical effects on this. But like I knew what was gonna happen at the end, and I really wished that I didn't. It would have. It was already scary. It would have been so much scarier. Yeah. But yeah, I I yelled "Oh no!" at every single death, <laughs> which means they were good. Yeah. And baby Kevin Bacon is in this. He dies. Yeah, I completely forgot that he was in this. Um, I was really angry though because. Like, even worse than, like, some other movies, like, the moment every woman appears on screen for the first time in this, they are immediately harassed by a group of men. They're always the only woman in the scene, and they're always severely (laughs) harassed immediately. Yeah. I mean, these uh, wind up, so much of this kind of stuff winds up being tropes in later movies, but... um... To me, that, like, adds to the horror of the movie because, like, none of these women are safe. Like, immediately they are, like, all being preyed upon, whether it be by the killer or just by the men around them, you know? But, like, none of the men are safe either because they get murdered also, but nobody physically assaults them (laughs) first until they're, you know, assaulted until they're murdered. Yeah, well, so I figured that this would come up later. But um, Mike actually lent me this book called uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film by Carol J. Clover. I think it might have been like her dissertation or something that got turned into a book because it's very dry and academic. But um, I didn't transcribe any of these passages, so... But it's fine because I'm editing this episode, so I'm just going to read you a little bit because it's interesting the way that she frames... Um, well, this is actually in a section of the book about slasher movies in particular. Um, let's see. Well, can I just comment flaws Mm -hmm. in my brain about like, like what you just said about like, you know, it frames it because none of them are safe. Mm Mm-hmm. I could buy that if it was on purpose. It's not on purpose. Yeah, like, that's fair. this is not a movie that's trying to make a commentary about how women are not safe. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just gross. Yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm looking for a passage where she talks about, um, like, the purpose of horror movies, particularly slashers, particularly mm-hmm. for men. Because um, it also isn't like, like, the killer in this movie has it out for camp counselors, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with women. Right. Oh, I guess we should just say, though, okay, so the killer in this movie is um, a mother whose son, dra- so Jason, duh, everyone knows Jason, mm-hmm. um, when he was a young boy drowned at this summer camp, and so his mom is going after 
camp counselors murdering them. Right. Um, she doesn't want the camp to open again. She's got it out for camp counselors. And then at the very, very end of the movie, you find out that Jason is still alive, I guess. Though well, very... maybe, you know. <laughs> um, I, what's really interesting, though, that I find really interesting about this franchise is that Jason is such, like, like the image of Jason with the hockey mask and the machete. Um, like, it's so iconic, but he doesn't even get that hockey mask until the third movie. No, I know I watched the first two, so I for funsies watched the second one and was like super disappointed. Like to the point where for a minute I was like, Am I even watching the right movie? Because yeah, like that image is so iconic now, but like he wears a so in the first one you don't even see him at all until the last couple of minutes of the movie and you just straight up see his like regular face, which is, you know, just kind of like grotesque and like distorted and Yeah, because he had been like disfigured in a fire at the camp, like the year before or like a Wait, couple years what? before does that come out later that's part of the lore i think i don't remember when it's not in the first two that. yeah um okay no but like when the history of the camp is being recounted to i think annie the very first girl that we meet who's supposed to be the cook who's very cute she's just adorable but anyway um th- like they are listing you know this long list of like tr- uh, tragedies that had happened at the camp and they mention um a fire and then that some people drowned and then people getting murdered there i don't even remember that right okay i had just re-watched this very recently like back in october so it was like fresh in my mind when i watched it one more time Oh, but so then in the second one, he has just like a canvas sack over his face the whole time um, with like one, one eye for his eye, yeah. <laughs> for one eye. Yeah. And and then at the end, when they think they've killed him, um, she like reaches over, but it's like her arm is really strategically placed between the camera and his face. So she pulls um, the sack off of his head and the two people who are still alive react like, Ugh, but you don't see what his face looks like. Right. Uh, oh, but then he bursts through the window at the end and you do see it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I really wish I had transcribed the things that I wanted to read um, where she's talking about like who the popularity of horror movies and who goes to see them. Um <clears throat> And she's talking about how much money they make and blah, 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 blah. Um, The popularity of the slasher began to tail off in the mid-80s. And by the end of the decade, the form was largely drained. So um, this is... That's right. Horror had a resurgence, like, not that long ago. Like, horror, good horror, besides, like, Scream, maybe. Like... Like we've, I guess we've talked about this before because of Scream, right? Yeah. Well, like it was not a thing in the '90s. It was. It just like horror. Like they've always been making horror movies, basically. Um, What's interesting about this book is that it came out in like '91 or '92, and there have been several generations of horror since this book was published you know um yeah like the the wave after scream and then um in the 2000s there was the wave of like um like saw and hostile and those like torture porn movies and then more recently has been the wave of like what non 
horror fans are calling elevated horror, you know, with like Get Out and A Quiet Place and uh, Hereditary, um, where like suddenly people who historically have not been interested in horror are now, you know, getting kind of like drawn into the fold. But um, the first Friday the 13th movie comes out two years after Halloween, which is often pointed to as the first slasher movie, but that would be incorrect. It was actually probably um, Black Christmas, which I think came out in 74, uh, which she doesn't even mention in this book. And if she does, it it's not in the table of contents or not in the um, whatever that thing is in the back index. The index. Yeah. Um, and then before that, Psycho. So like there's this lineage of these kind of knife wielding um yeah, Psycho was the first, right? Yeah, like and she, you could she say points, that that was the first slasher. In this book, she points to that. Um, but I just find it so weird that she skips over Black Christmas because I think there's a lot of really interesting gender things in there. Um, but she makes this uh, point about like a wave of horror movies starting in 1978, and Black Christmas predates that. Um, But for some 12 years, the slasher was the exploitation form of choice for junior horror fans. Although girls went to slasher movies, usually in the company of boyfriends, but sometimes in same-sex groups, my impression is that the Nightmare on Elm Street series in particular attracted girls in groups. The majority audience, perhaps even more than the audience for horror in general, was largely young and largely male. Conspicuously, groups of boys who would cheer the killer on as he assaults his victims, then reverse their sympathies to cheer the survivor on as she assaults the killer. Young mans, young, young mans, young males... <laughs> Young males are also, I shall suggest, the slasher film's implied audience, the object of its address. The question then has to do with that particular audience's stake in that particular nightmare, with what in the story is crucial enough to warrant the price of admission, and what the implications are for the current discussion of women in film. Uh, then she t- goes to on to talk about... Um, psycho and the familiar elements um i have a question yeah can you think of a horror movie that um you know kind of follows the narrative of like there ends up being one kind of final person Mm -hmm. can you think of a horror movie where it's not a woman um i can't but they definitely exist and she has a whole section in here about the final girl um yeah, like, is the, are there any where you're like, oh, it was the final boy? I'm sure, yes. But, uh, like, the genre convention and the... And because horror is so... Um, like, fan service is the wrong word, but, like, so many people who make horror movies are fans of horror. They're always kind of, like, borrowing from each other, so there's yeah, this long... Yeah, they're nerds about it, and they're <laughs> they're paying, you know, homage to... Yeah. Whatever. I mean, you can see that. I mean, even just in between Sleepaway Camp and this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They're the same movie. <laughs> Except yeah. Sleepaway Camp's better. I agree. I actually really enjoyed Sleepaway Camp a lot, which she mentions, what did I say to you, once in this book? Yeah, um, I think so. Like, in passing, which is wild to me. And she, instead of referring to Angela as a trans person calls her bisexual and I was like mm, not the word for that but okay yeah. 
Um, but I was reading a botany book the other day, and apparently in botany, the term bisexual actually means like a flower with both male and female parts. So more like I don't intersex. I think that's what she meant, though. That I don't think she what knew she that. Meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, while you look for that, I'm going to read this list because I Googled it, and it, this is a list of 13 final boys from horror okay. movies. I wonder if I've seen any of these. It's taking a really long time to load. Um, 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 okay. Um, nope. Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. I have not seen that. Never even heard of it. Um, Society from 1989. Have not heard of that. Um, Burnt Offerings from 1976. Nope. Um, Hellbent 2004. Nope. Um, oh, duh. Bruce Campbell is the final boy oh, in yeah, all of yeah, the yeah. Evil Deads. Duh. Mm-hmm. And what a um, handsome final boy he is. <laughs> um, Friday the 13th, part four. Um, Corey Feldman is the final boy. Okay. Um, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning has a final boy from 1985. Friday the... F- okay, so they really just... Um, it's all boys <laughs> from from the three on, <laughs> looks like. <laughs> no, I think in number six or seven, uh, there's a final girl. And at that point, like the... Um, like the, the franchise had like used so much of the slasher conventions that they were like we gotta we gotta add something else in here so that final girl has like telekinesis it becomes like a weird telekinesis film um okay so then she's like talking in this book about uh all like the weird you know sexual pathology of so many of the killers in this movie um and and talks a lot about Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw 2 because he has this like experience where he is about to kill the final girl and then his chainsaw like runs out of gas or something and he like puts it on her crotch and then ejaculates and um I don't Oh, I guess that's That's the second I guess I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Um, And, like, suddenly, like, loses his thirst for murder (laughs) because he just, like, can't. (laughs) Um, But anyway. uh, Actual. Okay. So then she starts talking about sexual assault Um, and, like, juxtaposed with murder in these movies. Actual rape is practically non-existent in the slasher film. Evidently on the premise as the crotch episode suggests that violence and sex are not concomitants but alternatives. The one as much a substitute for and a prelude to the other as the teenage horror film is a substitute for and prelude to the adult film or the meat movie a substitute for and prelude to the skin flick. When Sally, under torture in Texas Chainsaw 1, calls out, I'll do anything you want, clearly with sexual intention, her assailants respond only by mimicking her in gross terms. She has profoundly misunderstood the psychology. Female killers are few, and their reasons for killing significantly different from men's, with the possible exception of the murderous mother in Friday the 13th, the first one. 
one. Um, they show no gender confusion, nor is their motive overtly psychosexual. Their anger derives in most cases not from childhood experience, but from specific moments in their adult lives in which they have been abandoned or cheated on by men, such as in Straight Jacket, which by the way is a fantastic, fantastic movie starring Joan Crawford from like 1963, I think. I just saw a screening of it back in October. It was mm. amazing. Oh yeah, I remember when you mm-hmm. sent me some eyebrows from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did send you eyebrows. Um, and then she says, like, she'll discuss rape revenge movies, like, later in the book. But Friday the 13th one is a noteworthy anomaly. The killer is revealed as a middle-aged woman whose son Jason drowned years earlier as a consequence of negligence on the part of the camp counselors. The anomaly is not sustained in the sequels, however. Here the killer is Jason himself, not dead after all, but living in a forest hut. The pattern is a familiar one. His motive is vengeance for the death of his mother, his excessive attachment toward whom is manifested in his enshrining of her severed head. Like Stretch in the crotch episode of Texas Chainsaw 2, the girl who does final combat with Jason in part two, sees the shrine, grasps its significance because she's a psych major, and saves herself by repeating in commanding tone, I'm your mother, Jason, blah, 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 put down the knife. Um, oh yeah, she puts on the sweater and then pretends to be his mother. Mm-hmm. And like talks to him real mom-like. But it doesn't, it works for a second and then it doesn't work. And that is not how she saves herself. A man comes in and saves her. Um... So I was going to say, just the woman who plays Mrs. Voorhees is so good. Yeah, she's excellent. Like, the movie doesn't... I mean, it's scary before that because it's gross, and you know people are getting murdered, but, like, the movie's not interesting until she's on screen. Yeah. Whoa, the same guy who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre made Poltergeist. Did not know that. I did know that. Yeah. Toby Hooper, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's kind of a big deal. Uh... Anyway, um, I don't know what I was looking for. We were talking about how women are treated in these movies. and uh, But she... I'm not even necessarily talking about horror movies, even mm-hmm. just in the camp movies. Oh, yeah. It's, like, really bad. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, I think, well, I think that's, first of all, it's, like, the era that we've been watching from. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if we, like, took a wider lens and weren't just watching camp movies, we would still kind of find the same thing. Yeah. But also, like, uh, there's so much sex at camp. (laughs) Or, like, you know, it's just so, like, boys and girls Mm -hmm. at camp. Um, It's, like, it's just set up so well for that. I don't know. Uh, And also, like, in a camp movie, unless you're at an all-boys camp or an all-girls camp, it's like you're going to have an even number of both genders. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I guess that's why. Yeah. But I'd be curious to see, like, like I think, I mean, the movies that we're going to watch that are from, like, a little later Mm -hmm. are kids' movies. So they're going to be, like, slightly different. Yeah, but, but I think maybe we'll not. Still, like they're because the next ones that we're gonna do are heavyweights, heavyweights, and, and Camp, Camp Nowhere. Nowhere, which definitely borrow really heavily from what we've seen so far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes as far as like the gender dynamics are concerned. I can't even. Are there even any other? There must be like. 
adult camp setting movies like yeah after 1986 (laughs) yes definitely i think that the majority of them are horror movies though that are you know retreading a lot of the same ground as uh the friday the 13th at least like the original trilogy and uh the but not even like horror not even like horror movies though because like meatballs is a comedy Mm mm-hmm is it, but though, th- or is it actually a horror movie? Because... Well, I mean, obviously it's a horror movie. <laughs> no one gets murdered in it. Right. And it's my true belief that all movies are horror movies if you look at them right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't take many notes for this. I mean, nothing happens in this. Yeah, it's just a, a series of murders until the end of the movie. It's like, this is not a good movie. Like, I, I understand that maybe at the time it was like people were really into it but but yeah it's like it's not a good movie that's why I mean that's why I said before that I think Sleepaway Camp is a better movie like it's just so much more interesting to watch the whole time mm-hmm. like and I couldn't tell a you plot, a single person I yeah, like I couldn't tell you a single person's like name in this movie besides Jason and Mrs. Voorhees mm-hmm. like I, you know, I just, I don't remember anything. Of, I, the pacing is also a little bit difficult because it's, the pacing of movies is different now. Like if somebody made this today, even if they yeah. made the exact same movie, it would probably be 20 minutes shorter just based on like cutting shots shorter. Or you know? two hours longer because all movies today are just so fucking long. Or they'd be trying to shove a bunch of stuff. This, <laughs> this movie has a scene that reminded me of The Room. Um... Do you remember the scene where the guy, like the adult at camp, the mustache guy with the cutoff shorts, uh-huh. he like goes to town to like a diner? Mm-hmm. Like they shoot him in that diner for like eight minutes for <laughs> no re- We don't need to know any of that. Yeah. Zero of that. He like fake flirts with the old lady waitress. He leaves her a tip. He t- They talk about food. <laughs> Like, there's no payoff to that. It reminds me of either, like, like there's a scene in the room where the woman's trying to sell them cheesecake for no reason. <laughs> and also kind of the flower shop scene, but more mm-hmm. of the cheesecake scene. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like, we could have, like, that scene was, like, eight minutes of the movie that didn't have to exist at all. We could have just been like, oh, he was in town, he's driving back, cool. Because it only becomes important when he's driving back. Yeah, I mean, the purpose of that scene is just to show, like life going on super normal while back at the camp these kids are alone and getting murdered um but I would ask the question like is that where that softball scene in sleepaway camp comes from (laughs) you know when they like just play a softball game for a really long time for no reason in the middle of the movie yeah but I (laughs) like is this actually a a genre (laughs) convention no, well, I mean, I think that I think that the people who made Sleepaway Camp were just bad at making movies, and they were like, "Oh, we need this, yeah." And like, I mean, Sleepaway Camp would hardly be a movie without that scene. Like, it takes up like a solid ten minutes in a ninety-minute movie. Yeah, I don't even think it's ninety minutes. I think it was like I think you're seventy-five right. or eighty. Yeah, I I feel like that like that thing of like this scene is here for no reason like is telling of like one or two things which this doesn't really fit into which is i guess one of my problems with it is like you either see that in a really bad movie where you know they just made 
the wrong choices or you see it in a really good movie and it's like very perfect like david lynch does it all the time mm-hmm. where he'll just like linger on something for no reason for too long um but you know he had a reason mm-hmm. like in this it just is like kind of it feels kind of sloppy and it's like they just needed a better editor oh yeah i'm sure that that's the case <laughs> like uh, this movie cost five hundred and fifty thousand dollars Oh my and God, then it made so much money. Turned around and made almost $40 million. I'm yeah. so happy for them. Yeah. <laughs> this was like the first script, I think the first time this director had directed. You know, this was not exactly high art that they were making. Um, but like, I... it doesn't matter that it's not good. Like, so many of the horror movies that we love are not good but like this movie is so important because it like really was a landmark in so much that we now see in horror movies and have seen I, movies since my question is is this the first time you know the like like shaky cam point of view shot did that exist before this yeah i th- um and she talks a lot about that in the book, referring to it as eye cam. Um, where they you're use that for from, most of this movie. Yeah. Uh, they definitely, I think there's some of that in Psycho. There's definitely, uh, you definitely see it in Black Christmas. You see it in uh, Halloween. So that was definitely not the first time that that was used, where you're in the perspective of the killer. They also, like... The, the music in this, to me, sounds like a direct ripoff of Psycho. Not in a bad way. Mm. Um, I can't remember but it was the like, Psycho music, though. Oh, it's, like, very stringy. Like, very similar to this. Mm. But, but, but where this kind of is, like... I'm not good at music words. I'm going to sound dumb right now. <laughs> but, but where, like, Psycho has, like, um, you know, like, recurring... Like a recurring theme, of, or like a couple of them, you know. Uh, but essentially, the same music plays over and over again, or versions of it throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. This has that, but in like short little spurts, where it's not like a whole a whole composition necessarily. It's just like noise, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then it has that scary breathing noise on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that um, freaks me out. <laughs> so but, but it sounds a lot like Psycho. Yeah. Well, so um, they actually made like a conscious choice about the movie to differentiate this franchise from the Halloween movies um, because the Halloween movies have are, are kind of like wall to wall with music, like but s- and very like synthy too. Mm-hmm. But right? in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, uh, they only have music in the movie when the killer is present. So there's only like some brief moments of music throughout the film. And then by the end of it, where she's, you know, doing battle with Mrs. Voorhees, then it's like all music. Hmm. I sent you the psycho theme. Yeah. I'm listening to it now. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, of course I do. I just, it wasn't in my brain when you said that. Um, Apparently they got to hang out with Lou Reed a bunch because he owned a farm nearby and would like come by and like play music and hang out which is super cool they should have gotten him to do music on this movie it would have sounded really different i think yeah i really appreciate that this was a time period where a lot of the women have really frizzy hair that's parted in the middle 
because if I let my hair go free, that's what it would look like. Camp hair, camp hair, camp hair. I told you, camp hair. It's a thing. Speaking of camp hair, everyone at camp has lice, including oh, me. I don't. Oh, how did that happen? They all gave I you a lice know. check when you showed up, right? They did. Well, but people leave camp, and other kids come into uh, our camp, and it just takes like one kid because everyone mm-hmm. touches everything all the time here. It's so gross. And there's a stomach bug going around on top of that. Oh, God. (laughs) And I keep going to the kids just being like, is it always this bad? And they're like, no, this is pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) There's like always something, but apparently this is not great. Is it a barfy bug or a diarrhea bug or both? No, it's a barf bug. And I'm going to cry forever if I get that too. Mm. I'm like working so hard not to get it. (laughs) But I feel like barf, I I know that you have a barf phobia, but like in a setting like that where there are tons of people who might be all getting sick at once, a barf bug is preferable to a diarrhea bug, bug because then you don't have to shit in the woods, you know? Nobody here would have to shit in the woods anyway. No, I just mean if, like, tons of people are shitting at the same time. <laughs> That's going to cause some uh, traffic problems with the bathroom. I you know. guess. Maybe you could someday make a horror movie about a lace outbreak and a stomach bug outbreak at the same time at a summer camp. That sounds horrible. I don't want to make that. <laughs> um, I wrote down that this movie was opposite Psycho. Why would you say that? Um, because... Oh, because it's the mom that's the killer instead of <laughs> yeah. the son. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But then it just turns regular. I guess. The end of this movie is truly one of the scariest things I've ever seen, though. Even though I knew what was going to happen. Like, it's the, it's one of the scariest jump scares I've ever seen. You mean when she's in the canoe? Yeah, when she's in the canoe and he jumps yeah. out of the water. Like even I knew it was going to happen and I still was terrified. I love that scene so much. It's like one of my favorite, I think. It's very perfect in horror because like she's it's like it's finally morning. She's in this canoe in the middle of the lake, like just laying there in a daze. Why what? did she get in the canoe anyway? Uh I mean, it would have made sense if she did it as she was running from the killer to, like, just get out in the middle of the lake. Um, But she's already decapitated Mrs. Voorhees. So who knows? She's been extremely traumatized. That was something that made her feel safe, I guess. She gets on this canoe. She's floating on the lake just, like, in a daze. And it's this beautiful shot of, like, the trees reflecting on the water. It's very serene. The cops show up, so you get this feeling. And this is, like, one of my favorite things in horror is, like, you get that feeling of, like, oh, thank God, it's over. Everyone's safe now. And then it's, like, or are they? I know, but even her, like, she has a non-reaction to the cops getting there. (laughs) Like, she. Which, like, works perfectly for what happens when he jumps. Like, it works perfectly for him to jump out of the water. Mm-hmm. But, like, the cops get there, and she just, like, is straight up, like, chilling still in this boat. She's just, like, gloriously, like, putting her hand in the water. Yeah. Like, she's not, like, like, you just, she has no reaction. You think she would have something. I don't know. I feel like she didn't notice them at first. Like, she oh, just was think? so traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, All like, right. I can not. I that. Sure. You know, like full disassociation. I thought she at that saw point. them. 
Uh, she might have, but I don't, you know, I don't know if it like registers as like, oh, these people are here to save me, you know. Um. I hope that actress still makes a shit ton of money from this movie because she basically had to quit acting because she starred in this. Because she had a stalker who stalked her so bad that she didn't oh, no. even want to be in the second one. Oh, that's that's why. So she's in the second one for like one scene. the the second the The beginning of the second one's pretty awesome, and then again, like kind of boring. Gets okay again at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she didn't want to be in it because like the stalker ruined her life. That like sucks. she, and then she stopped, and then she stopped acting for a long time, and then came back again, but only does voiceover work now. Like she does not appear on screen anymore. Oh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. Ugh. So her life turned into a real horror movie. So I hope at least she still makes like so much money because they keep making these and she was in one, whatever. I don't think that's how that works. I hope, I know. Like the money, like uh, if you are in an iconic horror movie, you don't necessarily get residuals. Like it depends on what your contract was. And I... but if they keep releasing these, surely people must keep going back to watch the original one. Yeah, but it depends on the contract. And I, I don't know That's if, true. you know, yeah. like, usually the way that it works is, like, actors don't necessarily get a cut of the, like, gross profit necessarily unless they're like a really big name and that's in their contract or they like had a producer credit on it right uh the money from being in an iconic horror film comes from doing horror conventions and like going and meeting fans and like doing that whole circuit um so if she's avoiding that which i imagine that she absolutely would be because oh my god um then no she's not (laughs) making tons of money that sucks yeah um, they kill a snake in this movie, which uh, was not in the original script and actually came from an experience that Tom Savini had living in these cabins while they were shooting this movie. He like actually came across a real snake and had to kill it, I guess. Um, and they used a real snake, and they killed a real snake for this movie. <laughs> and apparently the person who like owned the snake was like just standing off to the side crying while they were doing it. Oh, oh, that's so sad. I have questions. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Oh, here's my other camp update. Speaking oh. of things you can't do anymore. Mm. I th- I feel like I told you this when we were not recording. But so I've started to go to other camps because I got to take my kids to these gymnastics competitions. Mm-hmm. And so we went. So my camp has like no Native American imagery and no like Native American. Like we are not stealing that shit anymore like it's like we're okay here as far as i can tell i don't go to all the events but as Mm -hmm. far as i can tell we're not we're okay um so i went to a camp down the road kind of the same deal i went to a camp in upstate new york not the same deal (laughs) like it was shocking what everything looked like like and then one of the kids told me it was because in Massachusetts they passed a law that ah. where they were like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. And in New York, they don't have that law. So, like, I assume that all of the camps kind of used to look the way this one did. Mm-hmm. But but they passed a law where it's like they had to get rid of it. That's fascinating. I don't know how true that is. It was like a 13-year-old who told me, but they know better <laughs> than me probably. Yeah. Wow. So was it so it was like really weird teepees and 
Maybe no teepees. Uh, I'm trying to even think like what they had. Just like the way that everything, like everything, was like carved or like fake mm. carved, and like lots of like imagery of like headdresses, right? Um, stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. You also said that you went to a camp that looked really murdery. There was that camp also. Oh, okay. <laughs> very murder. I think I think because it also felt like f- like you know when you go to Disney World and you're like this is fake. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like that there. Interesting. Um, or like camp like always feels kind of fake I feel like but that made it feel even more fake and weird and they also like every their colors are red and white at that camp and all of the kids and everyone who works there has to wear red and white every day so everyone's wearing the same colors too it was weird interesting well in Friday the 13th they the only set they actually had to build was the bathroom set everything else was authentic to the camp where was there a bathroom uh, at least one person gets murdered in the bathroom. And then the, the, after they play strip monopoly. Yeah. Like, I think the, I don't know. I don't really remember, but like a couple people go to the bathroom and somebody gets murdered in there. The second one has a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. A super hot guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> He gets mur- he gets murdered. Well, he gets stabbed, and then Jason pushes his wheelchair down the stairs backwards, like a thousand stairs. But anyway, I feel like that was maybe unusual for that time period. It's unusual for any time for now, period yeah, to actually even, show yeah. a person using a wheelchair on screen. Yeah, especially if they're not, you know, the villain in the movie. Yeah. Which so often is the case. No, this was like a hot dude character. Hell yeah. <laughs> Girls were after him and everything. Good for him. Mm, I feel like that's all the things I have to say about this movie. Uh, I took one, two, three, four, five notes. Uh, the first one was Woman with a Hammer. Because uh, Alice is like nailing a She's fixing a gutter thing. back on. Yeah. Uh, the second, uh, my second note was the women are immediately unsafe, like we talked about before. The third one was Kevin Bacon in a banana hammock, because uh, he's wearing like very tiny bathing suit. Uh, head shops, several exclamation points, and love that morning canoe shot. This movie has like other more instances of men and women having the exact same hair. <laughs> Which I just love. Mm, Okay, let's go to Camp Trope Tallies. You filled this out, but I went back and I had to add one. Oh, okay, that's great. You missed one. I just did it like right after watching it because I was like, I'm not going to remember. Okay, so Friday the 13th, smoking, yes. Anger. Oh, I I also, wait, hang on. I wrote down a quote. There's a cop that shows up towards the beginning of the movie uh, and Kevin Bacon, like, saunters in. He's like, hey, what's going on? And then the cop is like, what you been smoking, boy? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he says, you just get off a spaceship or something? Colombian gold, man. Grass. Hash. The weed. Dig it? And I have no idea why he says that. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's a real throwaway line, and I don't understand why it's there, but I appreciated it. 
Okay, so smoking, yes. Anger, I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because there's a murderer, which, like, implies that that person's pretty angry. Yeah. But I don't think that's how we were looking at it, like, in the other movies. Right. Like, no one's yelling at a child for no reason. It's like Mrs. Voorhees is angry that her son is dead and that no one was paying attention. And that's why he died. Right. So, but, I mean, like, there's no, like, Judy. <laughs> I wish. I wish there was. Um, okay. Homophobia, no. no. Canoe tip. I would argue that this is the canoe tip. <laughs> Absolutely. There are no other canoe tips. Um, canoe trip, yes. Hiking? I believe you. You marked this off. I don't remember them hiking. Well, but the I girl, you. uh, the first girl that dies, like, is walking there, you know? Like, she when she gets she's into walking town, to she's camp. like, walking to camp, and they're they're like oh yeah it's another oh, 20 miles and, and she walks through the woods yeah 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 because yeah. she gets murdered walking through the woods right mm, no she gets picked she up gets by in Mrs. a car mm, yeah yeah and then they like zoom past the entrance to the camp and she's like oh uh oh you know oh she's like shouldn't we be yeah okay and then she like dives um, out of a moving car and then gets chased camp out no bonfire yes New York accent, yes. All of these actors are from New York and New Jersey, and they don't, you can't hear it except for one time near the end of the movie. I don't know who it is, but they definitely said water. And I was like, cool, <laughs> New York accent. I wrote it down because it only happened once, but I was excited about it. Uh, parent visit, no, because technically, there's no, kids. no, unless you count Mrs. Voorhees showing up. Oh, you know what? Yeah, parent visit. I'm yeah. going to say yes. Um, play musical, no, again, because there's no children yet. <laughs> Guitar, yes. Um, an appropriate adult camper relationship, no, because there's no campers. But Age inappropriate boss-employee relationship. Cause was Alice... that in the first one, too? Are you talking about the second one or the first one? No, I mean, I just remember it really clearly from the second one. It's, like, pointed out in the second one. Does it oh. happen in the first oh, one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that it does happen in the second one. Um... The guy that runs the camp and Alice have, like, a moment at the beginning of the movie where it seems clear that either they've been a thing in the past or he's, like, seriously putting the moves on her. Yeah, you're right. Um, Okay. Age-appropriate fucking, yes. Substance use, yes. Surprise luggage, no, because there's no luggage. Nobody has any things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, food fight, no. Mean girl energy, no. Baby, unless you count Mrs. Voorhees killing people, uh, which is not no, really. No, but mean I don't girl think she's energy. being a mean girl. She's not being yeah. mean to other girls. Um, babies eating the grown-ups, no. Camp hair, obviously. Someone gets thrown in the water, yes. Uh, someone gets murdered, yes. Where are the adults? No. Where are the kids? I mean, we know where the kids are, but they mm-hmm. never have a chance to show up. So right. yeah, where are the kids? Uh, fat phobia, no. Rich kids, no. What did I say I wanted to add? Oh, um, do do do. Barn sex. Oh yeah. <laughs> barn sex. Barn sex. Um. So that appears in this, and in Little Darlings. Will be seen again soon. Is that it? Is that the only one we want to add today? Yeah, I think so. I feel like maybe, 
Like, when Bill Murray does finally have sex with that woman, it might also have been in a barn. No, they were in the woods. Oh, okay. Because then they go skinny dipping after. Ah. And there's, like, that shot where you're, like, following their, like, the clothes that they took off. Mm. Oh, you know what I realized? This is so dumb. While I was watching Friday the 13th this time, and I've seen it multiple times, most recently October, uh, this is the first time that I realized that it does actually all take place on Friday the 13th. For some well, reason, I thought it was, like, drawn out. And it, like, happened over several days, but it does not. It's only mentioned, like, one time. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, they don't, they're not no, like, oh, well, no, spooky, Friday the 13th. Like, they say it, like, once. Yeah, no, it's just they establish it with, like, the uh, a caption. And then later, when the police officer picks up the guy whose car breaks down is talking about how it's Friday the 13th and a full moon and that there's more murders and shit. Did, 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 like, what's the significance of that date in these characters' lives? Like, did he die on Friday the 13th or something? Um, I don't know if they ever established that, but the scene, like, the opening scene that happens in the 50s was also Friday the 13th. So, yeah, actually, I think it might have been Friday the th- like the day that Jason drowned might have been a, a Friday the thirteenth, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah, because otherwise, there's like not really any significance to it except they were just like, ooh, pick a scary date. Yeah, well, they were originally going to call the movie something else. Um, blood, whatever, whatever they call the camp. That's what it was going to be blood. called. Yeah, camp long night at Camp yeah. Blood. Um, and then they changed the name to it, like, before they even had a script and, like, ran this full-page ad in, like, one of the, you know, entertainment trade magazines or whatever, um, looking for investors. And I guess the name was catchy enough that somebody offered to pay for the whole thing. Um, this movie employs something that we also saw in Sleepaway Camp that nobody uses anymore, which is, like, a freeze-frame Zoom. <laughs> when does that happen? Um, I think it happens at the beginning of this, like, before the credits or, like, right after the credits. It's early on in my notes. And then it happens at the end of Sleepaway Camp. Mm. But nobody uses that anymore. It's weird and scary. I don't know. And like a little bit mean. out of place in a movie. Yeah. What? I don't know if I understand what you mean. Freeze Hold frame on. zoom. I'll show you. I because I'm almost sure they use it at the end of Sleepaway Camp, which I'm sure I can find on YouTube. Like it freeze frames and then zooms in? Or Yeah. It, is Sleepaway Camp a freeze frame zoom out? I couldn't hear you, what? Is Sleepaway Camp a freeze frame zoom out? Or like pan uh, out. I don't know. I'm I'm looking. I almost have it. I almost okay. have it. Um, actually, it's not. A, it doesn't zoom. It just freezes and then changes colors in Sleepaway Camp. Okay. Uh, where in this video am I supposed to look? At the end. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm just looking. I'm looking for it in the opening of Friday the Thirteenth now. Oh, okay. Yeah, because this. I because this I, I feel like is. with Sleepaway Camp there is like a free like, it freezes. And zooms out, and like that's when you see her body. Um, 
And then cuts back to her face, and that's when it... Oh, here. Okay, I found it in Friday the 13th. I found it. Okay. Okay, so watch this video and go to 507. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Screaming, freeze, zoom in. Yeah. I like that a lot, but like... Like, it wipes with white and then black, and then the Friday the 13th... Yeah. ...logo comes in. Interesting. Yeah, people don't use that. Not I feel like often it, it's kind of corny. Like I know, it, but I like it. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I don't dislike it. I just mean I think that like people see it as this like antiquated effect because there's so many other things that you can do now that like why would we do oh. this old fashioned kind of thing when we can. I know. I think I that's know. why I like it. Put digital fur on people. Did you see that cat's trailer? I can't even. I cannot <laughs> even. We were recording the other night. I was recording with Joey and Mike, and um, Mike was having some like technical difficulties. So I was just like sitting around talking to Joey for a while, and I watched it, and like we freaked out about it. <laughs> I don't. I forget if he had watched it. Whatever. Um, yeah. I love it, I and I hate it so much, no, and I cannot no, wait to see the movie. No. no, every part of me is so angry about. About it. Like I, I'm already a person who like does not get cats. I don't get cats people. I don't get mm-hmm. the music. I just, I don't, I already am uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's like just I can't. It's I just like, it's so insane. I can't wait to see it. No. What well, we were we when Vin got home from work the other night, I was like, "Did you see this yet?" And <laughs> he watched it like three times. Um, but like I like I do. Uh, but but then we were like looking at images of like the stage makeup from the original play which looks way better than like the cgi on these people and it's just like why would they do this this is crazy like like because like if you're gonna make something that looks that terrifying like okay fine go ahead but like do it on purpose try to scare me try to make it real weird for me you know but oh they made it weird but not i feel like they i feel like they were doing it and going like this is great. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, no. Yeah. It's not. No. Like, but I also am learning about myself. Like the, like the more I start to like know what I love and what I hate. Like I don't like, well, first of all, I hate things that are overly CGI. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Um, but like in general, when I have like humans in things, and this is like for stage, circus, dance, whatever, movies um I want my humans to be more human and not less human mm-hmm. so like that cat's shit is like <laughs> just makes me want to like leave my skin it's yeah. gross I well, do the, not care for it the thing that I found most chilling is the fact that they're cat-sized humans in a human yeah. world like there's one shot of this cat dancing on a human-sized bed that I was like what the fuck just absolutely bone chilling i don't understand it. <laughs> i don't understand so i've like been reading you know because everybody hates it and everybody's writing about it and one of the things i read was just like where are the humans like everything is human sized <laughs> like and then the cats are cat sized surely there have to be humans around then Mm. nope no i mean even the play is nonsensical it has no plot so it's just like cats uh, well, actually, the day that that trailer dropped was, like, this happens every once in a while where, like, something happens and literally everyone on Twitter is making 
great jokes about it and it's like yeah. for for a brief shining moment it's yeah. not a cesspool um and that was one of those days which i really needed because i was having a very bad day um and somebody had tweeted like the plot of cats is that they just introduce themselves until one of them gets permission to die and that's <laughs> literally what the plot like there is no plot they just <laughs> sing about themselves and then like one of them dies but what's the dying part like what why I don't remember. I like reread the synopsis. It has something to do with that. They think they're like ascending to some higher okay. plane, Cat but really heaven. they're dying. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I just, it's like yeah. it's just like makes me so angry. It's like the exact like opposite direction of like what I want everything to be going in, and it's going that way instead. It'll it'll go in another direction soon. I don't know. I was also I thought of you because we were we were talking about cats, me and Joey, and then we started talking about the Lion King, which like I hadn't watched the trailer because I have no interest in that, mm-hmm. um, and all the remaking of the Disney movies. Which like okay, we have to talk about the Little Mermaid for a second because everyone's freaking out that they cast a black actress to be Ariel. But how can we please be freaking out that someone better be rewriting the story because <laughs> that story is no longer an appropriate one to be telling? Yeah. Like how come no one's talking about that part? Anyway, uh, racism. I can't even. That's just... I'm gonna be so mad if they don't change the story at all. Mm. But I saw. A great I'm gonna be thing so on... mad if she's not, you know, luring men to the bottom of the ocean and eating well, them. I, exactly. Um, I saw like the, a great like the real little mermaid. Anyway, I saw a great thing on Instagram that was like. It was like talking about who they should cast as the prince, and it was just a picture of Ruby Rose, and I was like, "Yes, oh hell Perfect. yeah, yes, oh hell yeah, <laughs> do that." I'm on board. Um, no, but still, you shouldn't give your voice up for anybody. Um, so right, the Lion King. <laughs> okay, so Joey was like, "Oh, like watch the trailer. Like everyone's talking about how they're like pissed off that it like looks really real, but then like the lion's mouths, whatever." And I was, and so then I started thinking like. Would like my first instinct was like, oh, I would like it more if it looked really real, like the lions looked real, but then their mouths didn't move at all, and it was just like, look who's talking, or like the voices <laughs> just like appeared as they were on screen. Directed by Amy Heckerling, please. Yeah. Ten out of ten would watch that movie <laughs> if it was just a look who's talking reboot with digital cats. Digital I, I'm just like, I want my stuff to like be real i mean that's why i like the fast movies like i'm sure um, we've talked about this but like a lot of their stunts are practical stunts you know oh okay like, it's just not it's my understanding it's not, though like within the universe not super like reality real oh but i don't know no, no, i've no. never seen not for movies. a second not for one second but like the way they make them like that's why like i watched the trailer for hobbs and shaw which is the fast spin-off that they had to make because the rock and um, Vin Diesel can't work together anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because they hate each other. So they gave their... But The Rock was like, everyone liked him so much in those movies, and they really, really liked Jason Statham, too, so they gave them their own spinoff. Ah, um, but I didn't like, know that it, was why that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's why. Um, but it just... It looks like CGI garbage. Like, it just takes all the fun out of it, you know? Like, I mean, drop not... cars out of airplanes. <laughs> jump Please. them over shit. Drop them out of buildings, like do it for real, you know. Yeah. It just, it look it looks better. It's way more interesting to think about. I don't know. 
I mean, I I love practical effects, but I also am not um, opposed to computer-generated imagery. Like, I I think they're both interesting and they both have their merits. And, like, it, it's just a matter of, like, applying either technology and, like... Like, the, the thing, the fu- oh, there's so many fucked up things about the Cats trailer, but uh, one of the most fucked up things about it, and why, like, one of the reasons it's so disconcerting, aside from the fact that they have human asses that have tails coming out of them, um, like, their fur doesn't, like, move naturally, you know? And we've, like, come so, and, and like, hair... Like, obviously, we can do that. Yeah, now. hair and fur is, like, one of the hardest things to render realistically um because like each little strand needs to you know have its own thing and be like moving in a specific way and like 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 we have the technology and it just looks bad in that like they're spending millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on this movie like did they blow their budget on Taylor Swift like what's happening here that you can't afford better you know rendering unless like they'll improve on it between now and when it comes out I don't know well they had to go back and fix Sonic's teeth so (laughs) oh the cat's trailer actually made the Sonic trailer look less bad and we were like I know oh maybe Sonic's not that bad bad. yeah his teeth though really are fucked up very disconcerting. Oh, what was I was gonna say, I don't remember what I was gonna say. Yeah, well, I get. I guess like my problem is I feel like there's now like an over reliance on yes. like using CGI to make something look cool mm-hmm. and thinking that that's that's all you have to do to make your movie good, and that's not true at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I want never you to saw... make your movie good first. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. That was my problem with um, in in the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Katniss is like supposed to have this dress that like turns into fire. Yeah, and it looked like shit. Like oh, I was fine. so I I thought it looked so bad, and I know fire is probably really really hard to do, and fire is probably really really hard to do like that way. Mm-hmm. But like I just thought it looked like garbage, and it was the same thing where I was like, you have all the money in the world, and this is what this looks like. But I'm yeah. also sure that whoever made that worked really hard on it. Not talking shit about them. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, like, a matter of deadlines and, like, just rendering stuff takes a really long time. And, you know, it has to be done by a certain time. So it's, a, like, trading quality for um, speed, you know. Oh, I'm trying to like get it in under the wire. I love that dress though. I would love to wear that dress. It's that would really be so cool. cool. Yeah. I think I'm still probably gonna see Hobbs and Shaw though. I think I have to. I think I can't just not see something that's like in the fast canon. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Might be over. Five, six, and seven might be the best they're ever gonna do. You'll know soon. I'm so excited for you to know. <laughs> What if I hate them? I'm, like, a little worried that I'm not going to like it. You might. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All of this buildup and everyone in the world being like, you're going to love these movies. They're amazing. They're so amazing. You might not. I mean, no, some of them are truly bad. Like, the second one is a horrible movie. (laughs) But, like, you also just, like, 
it's it's all of them together though like once you've seen all of them like you wouldn't be like oh well you don't need the second one you need the second one so <laughs> you know like the first one's not that good either but it all just builds on something and that's like part of the fun is that like they you know they start as like these just like criminals who race cars and then all of a sudden they're like world saving superheroes all you know in five movies so mm-hmm. how did we get there who knows interesting speaking of superheroes have you seen professor marston and the wonder women no i meant to oh my god okay well it's on hulu now so um highly recommend one of my big complaints about the other wonder woman movie that came out that year was that it wasn't anyway anywhere near horny enough and this one totally delivers on that front and it's also just like a really beautiful movie that's good yeah i really I think enjoyed we need, it like like we've talked about legion some before like i'm just like i'm excited for anything that like is within like the superhero world that is like different in some way shape or form from like everything else that they keep spitting out because yeah. those are not for me yeah well when i'm into the marston and the wonder women is not actually a superhero movie no, it's I know. like about I know. the people that you know created wonder woman is related though yeah oh for sure i also finally watched three identical strangers did you tell me to watch that probably i saw it when it came out i hated it why because it has this so i've always loved documentaries and for uh, up until very recently, it was always really hard to see documentaries, and uh, by the numbers, the vast majority of documentaries were very bad in quality, in content, all the way around. Um, and that's still probably true, you know, if you check all of documentary media as a whole. But um, now we live in this age where not only is it super easy to access documentaries, but people are making these, like, incredibly well-made films and three identical strangers is very well made um but it's so formulaic in this like very exploitative and like um sensational way that that annoys me like it's this trend not just in documentary but like the a lot of the netflix original stuff also does this which is like we need people to be like yo this is so crazy you're not gonna believe what happens you know and having like like like, all these twists in it like in a way that just doesn't feel natural to me like i I know that that's what happens i don't disagree with you but like yeah like i don't disagree with you but like i think no matter how they made that movie everyone would be like yo you're not gonna believe this story because like that story is insane and i have never heard anything like that before (laughs) i can't believe that like nobody ever talked about that before that that could even happen yeah i just i guess i guess i don't care about the movie yeah I just, it was like more the style of it that I didn't like than anything else. Because that, um, I thought there was a Netflix show that I watched recently that I really enjoyed. Um, with, uh, God, what's her name? Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah, Dead to Me. Dead, dead to Me. Something yeah. like that. Which was excellent, except that every single episode was like, had this like, big crazy backstabbing twist 
And I just was like, I just want to watch a nice show about two ladies who are grieving and become friends. Why does every single episode have to have this, like, huge, big twist to it? But for that, I feel like it's just because they know you're going to binge watch it and they need you to watch the next one. Yeah, I just find it exhausting and manipulative and I just want to watch a nice show about two ladies that are friends. You know? Well, because, like, I feel like the good place kind of does that too it's obviously like a really different show but it got to the point where like at the end of every episode like while the credits were rolling they would be like oh and here's this crazy twist see you next time Mm -hmm. um which like became annoying i thought but i don't know it didn't bother me but it did start to get a little annoying yeah i don't know it's just how they keep you watching i think yeah, and I, it's it's the fact that they're doing it on purpose that I don't appreciate. <laughs> you know, like, they're yeah, doing well, it. Yeah, well, it's like... Um, yeah, it's like, well, and what... Like, if you could break yourself out of that box, people making the show, like, what what would you actually be doing and what story would you be telling and what choices you would be making, like, if you didn't right. have to do that every Because it's all in the service of keeping people watching as opposed to just like telling a good story right which I feel like I don't know when I think about shows that like like Mad Men or like Breaking Bad it was very it was yeah you never felt manipulated by it and you never felt like that's why they were making a choice like that Mm mm-hmm I think just thinking um, about definitely like other Mad shows Men, that tell I've, stories well. Yeah, I don't know about Breaking Bad. I feel like there are some sometimes, like, sometimes. Yeah, but it wasn't but I don't every think single they, episode. I don't think they would have made those choices if they felt that it truly didn't serve the yeah. story or the characters. Mm-hmm. I, I finished. Just, oh, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say I just started watching. Twin Peaks The Return again. Okay. I don't watch anything new, just only stuff I've seen before and stuff for <laughs> podcasts. Uh, well, I finished the first two seasons, the two seasons of Twin Peaks. Isn't the, the last episode ever. good again? Uh, yeah, except that... Um, strobe lights. Strobe lights. So all of the climaxes, basically, yeah, uh, the hard. whole series I missed out on. <laughs> and just rough. had to, like, it's a good episode. You know, piece things together. I'm sure it was. It seemed nice... In between, you know, when I looked at the screen. Um, the part, well, because the, um, the end is, like, truly terrifying also. Yeah, but what happens? I had, like, I couldn't look at the screen. I just, oh. I know that, like, okay. Bob shows up and there's a lot of flashing lights, but I don't okay, know. Okay, so, yeah, so, like, Coop is, like, in, um, he's, like, in the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, stuck there. Um, Bob is there, Laura's there, Annie's there, um, Who's uh, Annie? what's his name? Wyndham Merle is there. Annie is Heather Graham. Right, right, right. Because okay. Wyndham Merle took her there. That's right. how Coop got there. Yeah. Um, and so Coop eventually, he's like running around trying to get out. He eventually gets out and Annie gets out too. Um, and the last scene of the show is... Coop is with um, Sheriff Truman 
and someone else is there. And he, you know, wakes up. He had been asleep or knocked out or whatever, and he wakes up. Time has passed, and they're oh, like, oh, right. my gosh, Coop, are you okay? And yeah. he gets up, and he seems normal, and he's like, how's Annie? Um, and oh, and then and he, just, and then like, he goes to the Annie? bathroom. and How's Annie? Yeah, how's Annie? Well, he goes to the yeah. bathroom. He looks in the mirror. He is Bob, right. and he smashes his head on the glass, so he's bleeding down his face, and he turns and just looks at the camera, and he's just repeating, how's Annie? Like, he's making fun of himself yeah. for asking such a ridiculous <laughs> question because he's evil Coop now. Um, it's, like, very scary. <laughs> Yeah, that very uh it's very nice disturbing. Um well before I finish the last few episodes cuz that season 2 is really um a slog to get through. I watched a documentary about David Lynch called David Lynch The Art Life and it's about like his early development as an artist like from like when he was a little kid up to when he was making Eraserhead but it's it was made in like 2016 so it's recent it's a recent interview and footage of him working in his art studio painting and stuff Um, and it's fascinating because he like obviously very famously doesn't talk about like the meaning of his work or like what he was trying to do with it um but in like telling the story of his life as an artist explains fucking everything (laughs) it was really really interesting to see and hear him talk about stuff and then be like oh that's where that came from and oh that's like that's where that came from um yeah it's just interesting to hear him talk about like being a little kid and like uh in the summer when it would get really hot when they were still living in Idaho, his dad would like dig a hole in the backyard and fill it with water. And then they would just like sit in it and splash around. And he says something about like, um, like taking the mud and just squeezing it in my hands and ah, forget it. Like that's just the best thing in the world. I was like, yes, I agree. I also love squeezing mud in my hands. You should go watch his shorts. Um, Where can I find them? I don't know. I they used to be able to get you could get like a like in the old Netflix days you could get like a disc that had oh, yeah. all of them on it and that's mm-hmm. how I first saw them. Um I'm sure they're somewhere now. They're um pretty are gross. They, are they <laughs> like old shorts that he made before like making features or? yeah like around okay. the same era when he was only doing like painting and he was doing a lot of sculpture one of them right. is actually just a video of his sculpture called six men getting sick six times <laughs> um, <laughs> uh yeah it's interesting uh he I had for like I had known that he had been a painter and then like completely forgot. Um, so it was exciting to see him paint in that documentary and like he sometimes uses his hands to apply paint and I do that too, uh, which is otherwise known as finger painting, um, which I have been yelled at by many painting teachers for. So I was like, haha, take that. Even David Lynch finger paints. Everything's real. Mm-hmm. Everything's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, in the art world, there's Whatever. a lot of dumb ideas about, like, what is and isn't art, and apparently finger painting is not one of them. But. I also rewatched Blue Velvet 
taking a break <laughs> from season two. Uh, and that was interesting to revisit, um, you know, after having seen some of Twin Peaks and like some of his other stuff that I hadn't seen uh, when I saw Blue Velvet for the first time. I love that scene where Dean Stockwell um, sings in dreams, like or like lip syncs it into a utility light. Oh, yeah. I just love Dean Stockwell. He was on uh, Quantum Leap. He plays Al, who like sends Scott Bakula all over the place while trying never, to get him I've back. I've never seen that. Oh my god. It's one of my favorite shows, like, ever. It's so good. Because, <laughs> so, Scott Bakula plays this, I guess he's, like, in the Air Force or, or like, was going to be an astronaut or something. And they... I don't know if they were trying to send him back in time or not, but, like, he is doing some sort of experiment where he um, quantum leaps into other people's bodies at other times in history. So every episode, but like they can't figure out how to get him back. He can only leap from place to place in space and time. Um, And he has to, and it's like the reason that he quantum leaps into somebody's body is because he has to do something to change their history. And then once he does that thing, like his job there is done and he quantum leaps somewhere else. Um, And so Dean Stockwell is like, uh, he has this little like handheld device and he's like the only person from like the present day that can like see and communicate with Scott Bakula. It's so good. It's older though, right? What year? Yeah, it's from like uh, I would maybe ninety one. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's like see. around then, because I remember like knowing that it was on, but being like, "That's not for me. I'm too young for this. I yeah. don't care about this." Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. It started, but it was on for several seasons until nineteen ninety three. Um. But it's really interesting because, like, he'll, like, you know, quantum leap into somebody's body just, like, in medias res, like, just in the middle of their lives. And, like, sometimes he's, like, on stage and has no idea what's going on. And, like, sometimes, you know, it's, like, in the middle of something else and he has to pretend that he's that person and, like, knows what they were in the middle of doing. And sometimes he, like, winds up being a woman and, like, has to deal with all sorts of things that women have to deal with. Well, I've watched nothing else interesting, Hmm. I don't think, since we talked last. I tried to watch a Joaquin Phoenix movie, and I was like, never mind, I hate this, and I had to turn it off. Yeah, I don't like him. Which one? I don't... It wasn't him. It was You Were Never Really Here. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was just like, I'm at the point in my life where I can't take, like, too realistic violence anymore, I don't think. Yeah. I can't either. Um, it's new, but it was just like so graphically violent so immediately in ways that were like not glossy or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I turned it off. I made it like eight minutes or something. I yeah. do it. Yeah. I don't, I have a hard time with it too. Like unless there's like a cartoonish amount of gore, I'm like, this is yeah. no thank you. 
Or like, I guess, I guess maybe part of it was like, like, I think I can deal with it if it doesn't start to happen until like, if there's like a build up to it or something, you know, Mm -hmm. or it's like, oh, I see how this is serving the plot. And I'm sure in that movie, it does serve the plot somehow. It was like a well-reviewed movie, but it was just like so immediate and just like, like, I didn't know why. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's too much. I think the only oh I well I I watched a bunch of stuff I saw the new Mary Poppins movie and I hated it um, not because I'm like super attached to the original I just it did not do anything for me and the music sucks which was unfortunate but I did rewatch did change the music yeah it's Mary Poppins Returns so it's not a remake it's like a sequel oh basically. I get it. Um, and like the kid, the kids that she had taken care of in the original movie, like they're grown up and they have kids now and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, the other thing that I want to mention that I did watch or rewatch was Billy Elliot, which is a movie about a little boy, um, in like, I think Northwest England, um, in the eighties during, it has this interesting kind of B story about coal miners on strike and unionizing and stuff like that. But the, the main story is about this little boy who is like in a boxing class and he sucks at it. And then he like wanders over to the girls ballet class and he starts dancing. And it turns out that he has this like incredible natural aptitude for dance. Um, and it is just absolute delight i just was like weeping the whole time stars in that he's Um, famous now whoever started is he yeah is adult famous now i think hold on um i've never seen it oh you must it's so good and so sweet greg brenman no maybe i'm wrong maybe i don't know what i'm thinking of never mind maybe i'm just wrong Jamie Bell. He's also been in or like his top. Jamie four. Bell. I have a big crush on him now. That's why I've Googled this before. Oh, okay. I have. I think he's so adorable now. What have you seen him in? He was in Nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also... He's in a lot of stuff. As Never as like a main character, though. Always as like a side character. Yeah. He was also in Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Those are the two things I think of him first from. But he's in yeah. a lot of stuff. I haven't seen Rocket Man yet, but he's in that. And he plays Bernie Toppin, who I think is Elton John's like co-writer slash boyfriend? Question mark? Um... Yeah, but he's so good. I mean, Billy Elliot is just like what a a nice, sweet, wonderful movie with great, great, great dance sequences. There's this uh, one sequence with him and his um, uh, dance teacher that like added a whole six months to the end of my life. It's so wonderful. Two of them dancing together. All right, I think that does it for Friday the 13th. What do you think? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, We'll be back in two weeks. We have two camp episodes left, yeah? Mm-hmm. Next week, or two in two weeks, we're going to do a combo, Camp Nowhere and Heavyweights. 
And uh, then we'll finish off with some Wet Hot American Summer. Hell yeah. Um, which I think now will be like so much more fun to watch. <laughs> I'm really excited. Yeah, I hope that that's the case. I hope that it's not like a disappointment, but we'll definitely have a lot more appreciation for what they pulled in from yeah you know existing movies oh one thing i uh failed to mention about friday the 13th is that the guy who wrote it was actually trying to capitalize on the popularity of meatballs and also halloween because meatballs mm. had come out the year before so, so there's like, a I'll just direct together Did yeah it. direct line there i mean also the woods are just really scary I, you know, people say that. I don't feel that way at all. Like, but like, cause, but like, what? Okay, have you seen Blair Witch Project? Yes. It's so scary because they just can't get out. They're just stuck, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, yes, there's also like some scary shit going on in the woods, but like the fact that they're stuck in the woods and can't get out is what turns them against each other, which is what builds the tension in the movie. Yeah, but to me, like, it's not like the horror in that movie is not that they can't get out. It is that interpersonal tension. So, like, yeah, it's like the 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 spark but the woods for that. it, but it's the people. And the, the human menace. There's yeah, on. I, know. I know you don't listen to my favorite murder, but there's like a bunch of stuff that they always say, um, you know, and a lot of it just comes from stuff that they've learned from like reading about so many murders. And one of the things they always say is just stay out of the forest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess people get murdered there, but like I've never gotten murdered in the woods. No, that's a stupid thing to say. Um, no, I actually, I have a hard time when murder, or not murder, when horror movies are like the entire, like all of the horror is predicated on like, aren't the woods spooky? Because well, I don't it's the perfect find setting scary for it, at all. It's yeah. the perfect setting for it because it's dark. You can't see anything. Everything looks the same. Yeah. So if you're lost, you're lost. And even if you have a cell phone, it's a place where you can totally buy that there's no cell phone service. Mm-hmm. So you can't call for help either. Yeah. It's like, like very easy, but it's like a, I mean, I like the woods too. Comfortable place for me. But also, and like all I, I want to do is be just there. Like... I wouldn't want to be there, like lost in the dark at night. Oh, for sure, no. But like, I feel like that only happens to people who don't know how to woods properly. You know, like if if you. If you're, like, a woodsy person, you know you don't go in there, like, when it's, like, almost dark, you go in with a plan. Well, in horror movies, they have to go in. They have to go in because they're being chased. <laughs> yeah. They're not thinking. Well, not always. Like, the witch was, like, there were several shots in the movie that were just like, aren't the woods spooky? And, like, that was where a lot of, like, the spookiness, like, it just, like, the camera just shows the tree line and play some creepy music, you know, and, like, that's supposed to be scary. Um, Well, they're implying that there's something out there. Yeah, I guess. In the woods, that's scary. Yeah. I don't think that's the... I think when they do that, it's not the woods. It's like, oh, there's something out there and you can't see it because the woods are blocking it and this thing lives in the woods. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Okay, Kara, where can people find you? I guess on Instagram at BIMPS, B-I-M-P-S-E, although I don't really want to be found unless you want to give me a job, in which case, please oh, yeah. find give me. a job. Please. I'm, this has been a harrowing job search. <laughs> um, you can find me at PC on Instagram, 
our podcast is on Instagram at wistfulpod. Uh, we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.